one of those nights, tragic events, shootings, ecological crisis, demagoguery, and other suffering, these had infiltrated my sleep. I rose earlier than usual, hours earlier, too early. I curled up on the couch with a book, and after a few hours, I noticed a pinkish glow peeking through my living room window blinds. So I opened the blinds, and to my astonishment, before me spread a rosy pastel glow. I couldn't see the sun, which was hidden behind houses and trees, but I didn't need to. I could see the effect of the sun rising. My breath caught in my throat. I was stopped in my tracks, captivated. As Jacob Trapp says, worship is the window of the moment open to the sky of the eternal. And I was worshiping. I was drawn into reverie and wonder. I realized that awesome things are happening all around me all the time. Some of them are escaping my notice while I sleep or work or get distracted by any number of distractions. What a gift. What a gift to have such beauty brought to my awareness. What a gift to be awestruck by nature, to be awakened to the day, to be awakened to life, to feel renewed by a simple yet profound window of the moment, the glorious moment open to the sky of the eternal transformed my spirit. Experiences of awe in nature do that. They lift us out of hopelessness, out of despair, out of exhaustion. They reignite us when we fail to live up to our ethical values. They inspire us and give us courage to move forward. They reinstill in us the courage to recommit ourselves to act in love. They open us to hope and to move beyond prejudice and fear. According to writer Donna Markova, wonder is how we open the hand of thought. It can lift our minds out of the mud of rational resignation and open them into wild relational cartwheels of insight. Wonder is the place where prejudices fall away, she says, and our capacity to notice life increases. Wonder opens our minds to wild relational cartwheels of insight and curiosity. What a fabulous 
metaphor. Thoughts and questions arise in us. That's what this means to me. And I'm not talking about the kinds of thoughts and questions governed by rationality. Right? You know what I mean? I'm talking about experiences of awe that increase our ability and our capacity to notice life. Not to judge life. To notice it. These experiences cause us to meditate on our place in the world and our connection to each other. These experiences lead us to be curious about how we got here, about how life began, about why we're here at all. And experiences of all in nature infuse our everyday lives with that same kind of intensity, leading us to wonder how best to live, how to be kinder, how to care for one another, how to be faithful to what we believe. Children have these experiences of awe in nature all the time, spontaneously, frequently, with enthusiasm. They notice the salamander or a constellation and cry out, right? Look, look, and why, why, why? Each noticing and each expression of curiosity produces more mystery and wonder and awe and curiosity. And that's the point. Awe is a replicating experience. It's also a sustaining one that moves us beyond one-time pleasure. It moves us to a commitment to stay awake, to keep on noticing. As Unitarian Universalist minister Victoria Safford writes, our calling is to transform wonder into something that endures even after the moment of wonderment passes. The calling is to transform awe into some kind of commitment, some kind of promise to stay awake and to keep alive the change that took place in you, the emotion that took hold of you, the question that astounded you when you saw the star or the flash of a cardinal's wing or whatever it was that amazed you. Our calling, she's saying, is to keep that fire alive in ourselves and in each other. Our calling is to keep alive the change that wonder creates in us. This is what it means to live a life struck full with awe. It means keeping that fire ablaze and living with and from that experience of deep amazement. For Unitarian Universalists, the role of nature is articulated 
in our seventh principle and our first source. The seventh principle, I always want to quiz you when I mention our principles and sources. The seventh principle affirms and promotes our respect for the interdependence of all existence. And the first source encourages us to experience wonder and awe firsthand. Firsthand. That first source teaches us to draw from direct experience of transcending mystery and wonder affirmed in all cultures, which moves us to a renewal of the spirit and an openness to the forces which create and uphold life. Nature is one of the primary places where Unitarian Universalists have that direct experience of awe. Too often, far too often, society and religion devalue nature and experiences in nature. Sometimes the earth is considered merely a place that humans are passing through on the way to something better. The physical world is seen as separate from the spiritual and humans valued more highly than other beings. But that devaluation of nature also gets extended to humans, to some humans. Humans who are perceived as closer to nature rather than being respected as great teachers of wisdom for our society are labeled primitive. And we see how immigrants and indigenous people and people of color are treated as less than. Mastery and control of the earth and other people takes precedence. Greed and personal gain prevail. The earth becomes yet another commodity for human consumption, and humans do too. This viewpoint this viewpoint this theology this belief this way of life it's a crisis of the spirit it's a spiritual and moral failure to heal the earth, we have to heal ourselves. We have to heal the human spirit. And what better way to heal the human spirit than to return to earthly roots, to experiences of awe in nature? What is needed 
is for nature to be restored to a place of reverence, to be restored as a creative force, as the lifeblood of our very existence. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir this morning. So I want you to consider for a moment in thinking about returning to those roots of nature. I want you to consider for a moment the origins of the word nature. Five from the Latin word natura, which means essential qualities, innate disposition. Nature also comes from natus, which is the past participle of nasi, to be born. Nature means to be born. We are born of nature, of the cosmos. Morty Breyer in Tukun Magazine describes that birth this way. Made of the stuff of probability waves, starlight, planetary cycling, mighty mountains, continents, and oceans of our silver-blue sphere, genetic journeys, language, learning, and loving, we each were birthed by this glorious universe that continues to show us its awesome majesty with each year cycling, each day dawning, each breath repeated, and each moment unfolding. We can only be joyous with the realization that so much of this awesome majesty is reflected in human consciousness. It is precisely this fact that enables us to call ourselves sparks of God. This way of seeing the universe as giving birth to all, this isn't a new idea. It existed for hundreds of thousands, even millions of existed before religious texts existed, before there were large political units, and before civilization. And it's arguably more powerful than either creed books. In the words of a Chinese proverb, return to the source and you find the meaning. Return to nature and you find the meaning. Religion holds the potential to foster a return to those roots. Religion can do this by consecrating our participation in the natural world. This means associating the natural world with the sacred by seeing the earth as connected to and not separate from God or Buddha or Gaia or Allah. What we know as God must be recognized as inseparable from nature. This would represent a dramatic theological shift in our society. It seems obvious that it would lead to a higher value being placed on, on the earth, on care for the earth, on protecting the earth would also bring us into a more holistic perspective of our place 
in the world. It would celebrate experiences of awe in nature and would emphasize our oneness with nature and with each other, for surely we are part of nature. Honoring this interdependence would invite us into a deeper relationship with all that is, with, with others, across state lines, across national lines, across cultures and races, would invite us into deeper kinship across differences of gender and gender identity and sexuality. It would call us to a deeper kinship with all the creatures of the earth. In this worldview, the material physical world would be integral to spirituality, not separate from it. Nature would itself become a primary source of our ongoing revelation of the divine. Henry David Thoreau once proclaimed, my profession is always to be alert, to find God in nature, to know God's lurking places, to attend to all the oratorios and operas in nature. Transcendent wonder and awe would be accessed through personal experiences of the natural world. Nature would be revered, not defiled. Just imagine what this would mean for us, for human life, for life on this planet. It would be an amazing gift according to Nan Merrill, and she says that to spend time in nature's tapestry of life is like opening an amazing gift, an instruction book of love and life. Here, she says, we can see how we participate in the seasons of our lives, the interplay and interconnectedness of all things that sustain our lives, the beauty and wisdom of unity in diversity and the intricate patterns of every variety of fauna and flora. Celebrating, honoring, and learning from this divine gift is in a very real sense to reverence our own lives and the life of the planet which depend on nature's abundant bounty. My wish for us, for our world, is that our experiences of awe in nature be abundant and healing. May they renew our spirits. May they delight us and may they embolden us as well. May they call us to advocate for justice for the earth and for all her creatures. This month, as we consider what it means to be a people of awe, May we look under a heaven of stars before a flower, a leaf in sunlight, or a grain of sand, and be amazed, amazed. May it be an experience of worship, for to worship is to give worth.
To worship is to be in awe. To worship is to experience the mystery within us reaching out to the mystery beyond. It is the window of the moment open to the sky of the eternal. May we come upon the window of the moment with humility and with gratitude. May we experience awe in nature and be struck, struck by the glory of the spirit of life, source of all. May these experiences inspire us to preach a gospel of relationship and interconnection. May awe in nature transform us and be transformed into kinship, a holy and sacred kinship. May it be so. Blessed be. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you'd like a copy of the transcript of this sermon, you can find most week's messages at www.uuberks.org sermons. If you have any thoughts or conversation about today's message, we hope you'll take a moment to stop by our Facebook page and share them. And from all of us at First UU Berks, may this chalice light your path and guide your way until you join us again. Mm-hmm.